Hi there, and welcome to Deal Reporter Asia's weekly podcast, where we discuss the week's hottest situations in Asian event-driven investing. Today is the 24th of May, 2019. I'm Stephanie Hanna, and I oversee special situations coverage in Asia. And I'm Ed Vanales, the editor of Deal Reporter in Asia. For those of you who haven't heard of Deal Reporter, we produce news and data covering mergers and acquisitions and other material corporate deals for event-driven hedge funds. Deal Reporter Asia has been covering public M&A in the region for over 10 years now, and we've decided to enter the podcast world to give you a taste of the deals, companies, and trends we're following. You can find more about us on dealreporter.com. So, Ed, why don't you tell us some of the big developments this week? Yep, okay. So, um, in the bigger macro picture, uh, big news this week in our world would be the emergence last week of a new... Uh, leader at China's antitrust authority regulator, um, SAMET. Um, the uh, news emerged on Friday that, and it was subsequently confirmed, that a Mr. Zhao Yaqing has been appointed to head up uh, the state administration of market regulation. And Before he that, he was a uh, SASAC chairman, right? Right. Um, and so his background has been poured over by hedge funds who are wondering whether this guy is going to be a tough enforcer or a lenient enforcer in light of the U.S.-Chinese uh, trade tech war that's going on at the moment. Um, lots of fears that Mofcom and the antitrust regulation, um, sorry, Sama being the replacement for Mofcom, is going to be used as a retaliatory uh, weapon against U.S. deals and U.S. interests. Um, so questions we've had from hedge funds are what are the changes going to be under under this new Xiao Yijing appointment? Um, his background is SASAC, the State-Owned Asset Supervision Administration Commission, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of background in market supervision or antitrust enforcement. So um, I think for the short term, the view is that uh, Gan Lin who is currently in charge of the Anti-Monopoly Bureau for Merger Decisions, will continue. So probably no imminent changes mm -hmm. there. Um, I think that's the, main, that's the main macro sort of development in the last week or so relevant to our leadership. Yeah. Okay, so from SAMA to the US-China trade war. Stephanie, you have a good link between that and a specific situation we're following. Yeah, so uh, Xi Jinping was seen visiting rare earth producer factories out in China this week. Uh, I guess we could interpret this as a show of strength from China using its rare earths ca capabilities as a point of leverage in the ongoing trade war. She has threatened to cut off the supply of rare earths um, to the US and we all know that rare earths is largely concentrated in China. The only rare earths producer to be based outside of China is the Australian listed company Linus. Um, Linus has had its shares jump 25% this week uh, on the back of an investor presentation where it discussed the possibility of setting up a processing facility in the US. Um, Linus earlier in the year had a takeover proposal from West Farmers that it knocked back. So it's also dealing with the threat of uh, corporate Stop activity. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a valuable company given that a lot of producers, uh, a lot of battery makers um, will rely on Linus if uh, if Chinese uh, rare earth supply is, uh, 
is interrupted. It. Exactly right. So the link here is just to summarize is that she has made a symbol. Uh, his activities are followed by the the media. He visited this rare earths uh, company, um, and that's symbolic of what the the U.S. Uh, what China might do to the U.S. Block rare earth exports. Yeah, exactly. And stocks in Hong Kong have jumped, and China have jumped. Rare earth companies. And one of these companies, uh, overseas listed, Australia listed company, Linus, has seen its shares soar. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and so, yeah, Linus would be the name for uh, event-driven funds out there to keep following. Um, over in Hong Kong, uh, there was a tender offer uh, for Harbin Electric last week. Uh, it was really unclear as to whether the bidder, um, the Chinese parent, was going to meet the required level of acceptances and shares had been trading to about an 18% spread to yeah, the offer widened, price. widened massively mm. ahead of this deadline. Um, and the view was that there's never been an extension of this uh, tender deadline in such a situation before. And then there was an extension. Yeah. And all's well with the world. And the spread's contracted. And this deal looks set, uh, according to Deal Reporter, to, to essentially wrap up next week. Mm. So... Um, one of the, uh, yeah, one of the more unprecedented events. Um, I had what a text from one uh, hedge fund manager who's saying, "Wow, nothing more exciting can ever happen." <laughs> okay, well, um, over in Japan, uh, you know, news reports have been pointing to a sale of Hitachi's controlling stake in Hitachi Chemical. Not sure if you remember, but Deal Reporter um, suggested that a disposal was in the works earlier in the year, um, and yeah. we've. Had so a bit of, bit of momentum since then. Yeah, at the end of it, at the end of January, um, uh, Deal Reporter with Merger Market, our sister product, wrote that Hitachi Chemical was the fourth in a long line of Hitachi subsidiaries to be. Uh, they were looking at divesting. Um, the previous three, uh, Kokosai, Koki, and Clarion, um, were have been sold off, and these deals have been struck at. 70 to 130% uh, premiums to their undisturbed share price. Um, and when we wrote about Hitachi Chemical at the end of January, I think the stock was trading some 50% below where it is now. Mm, yeah. And what's really interesting here is that there is some feedback from some funds thinking that this stock could uh, end up, the, 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 a deal price in a sale could end up at somewhere around 4,000 yen per share, which is, again, still 30, 40, 50% above where we are now. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, I mean, we've done a bit of analysis ourselves, uh, you know, on Hitachi chemicals. And we can't get anywhere near Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting to see where that offer price ends up, if it does materialize. Um, but on a premium basis, um, it would be about 100% uh, to the undisturbed, which is right bang in the middle of, the, of those precedents. Mm. So... Yeah, on that basis, it's plausible. Yeah. Um, so developments in that area will be interesting yeah. next week. Um, I guess the other Tokyo-listed company we've been following quite a bit is Nexon, the gaming firm that is uh, still controlled by its Korean founder. Um, uh, bid deadlines yeah. should be coming up soon for that, right? Yeah, a lot of... Uh, well, there's, there's, the news has gone a bit slow on that and uh, that's a little bit concerning. Um, the news has gone a little bit woolly around that process um, and we're not... Yeah, we've 
to be fair, lost a little bit of traction with that process as well. But this is one of the hottest situations and it's expected to firm up mm. today, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if it gets done, it's looking to be the biggest gaming deal uh, so far, topping up uh, Tencent's acquisition of Supercell um, back in 2016. Right. Yeah. So Nexon being the, yeah, exactly. Nexon being the um, gaming company and one of the few assets of that size available in the sector. Um, it's a huge leverage buyout play with lots of private equity looking and Tencent, um, who seemed to be the key player in the market. It's, um, you know, one view we have on the price that this thing could go at is uh, I've lost track of where the well, shares are right now. But yeah, I mean, if look, if we compare it to some of the Chinese ADRs in the gaming space that were delisted a yeah. few years ago, then you might say Nexon is trading trading in line with that. With those precedent deals. Yeah, that were delisted. Yeah. But we all know how those deals ended up, right? They're yeah, so you're talking about Shanda Games, yeah. Giant Interactive, companies that were taken private from the US Stock Exchange at lowball levels, and they were taken private at multiples in line with where the next one's trading now. Mm. And they were all lowball deals, and judges in the Cayman Islands, and just the relisting prices of those companies when they've come back to China, they're at massive multiples. So we wouldn't want to... Uh, put too much excitement. Uh, we wouldn't want to sound too misleading, optimistic. Yeah. But yeah. Is the, is could if ten cents involved in this, um, the price could potentially go quite high with Nexon. But mm. uh, like I say, we've lost track a little bit of the process, um, and there could be news out by the time this podcast gets. That's published. right. Yeah. Um, so I guess the other situation we've been looking at in Australia has been uh, has been Lendlease. Uh, construction right. company, property developer. Um, there were reports out uh, last week suggesting that it could be a breakup target for a Japanese buyer. And since then, the shares have have been trading up a little higher, despite the fact that Lendlease have denied that report. So that's probably one to watch unfold over the Yeah, that's an interesting months. one. And our analysis looks like any change of control would put, as with other sell-side analysts, there's 50%, 60% upside mm. uh, to that situation. Um, one, little, one little angle that we were talking about earlier is the potential disalignment between minority shareholder or shareholder interests and the management. This is a stock that has a very fragmented, diverse, dispersed shareholder base. Um, could there be an activist? Could an activist get interested? Yeah, it's a, it's a possibility um, for sure. I think shareholders are probably still upset that management were so late to disclose uh, some of the problems with the company's engineering division. Right, um, which and sent the stock down 20 30% last yeah. November. So this is a really interesting situation. Um, asset sales, potential takeover rumors, maybe some management, uh, shareholder disalignment. So that's definitely one we'll be looking closely at mm. going forward. I think to wrap up, we could link back to the US-China um, uh, uh, bigger picture. Um, just with, we are now expecting in the coming days or weeks um, some cl uh, clarity around uh, China's guidance on uh, foreign investment industries, i.e. the which industries it will be opening up to foreigners. Um, and that could be quite interesting to watch how that plays out in, in context of the US-China trade war, um, which continues. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, thanks for listening in, everyone.
and we'll see you soon. Thanks very much.